Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me as always is Fred. Woo, 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 Moreland. How are you? Those are woes, sir. I was trying to get you to do Julia Hart's theme song very poorly. Oh, um, you failed. I did. Uh, I'm doing well. I've uh, managed to shake off my uh, cold, and uh, for the most part, I still got the, the husky voice you know, to match my husky fat um other than that though uh things are going all right we got ourselves a hell of a windstorm going on outside so fingers crossed that doesn't affect anything on uh our end but you know we'll see um tyler what did you do this week because it was so quiet on the football front that uh i can't imagine like gotta make up some bullshit stories this week buddy to get your word count in You'd be amazed how much I can actually get done when it there's not actually a football game about to go on for the Vikings. Um, <laughs> last January, I think we wrote 310 stories in the month yeah. of January. Jeez. This year, probably on track to do about the same. Um, there's stuff to do, man. There's plenty of stuff to do. Um, I highly recommend, uh, if you have not yet, Go listen to the first hour of the flagship and hear Joe Lanza and Rich Krejci absolutely bury aggregation, which they are 100% right. I have to do aggregation to a point for my job, but everything I do with aggregation is I, I still give my own spin and opinion on things. Yeah. Where it's not yeah. just like news. You're actually you're gaining a little bit of something from me sharing what somebody else did. And usually it's like, oh, this person was named to the pro football focus, all pro team, or this person believes that the Vikings will take this person in the NFL draft. Like it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's stuff that's relevant for my readership. And I don't really like doing it, but it's also kind of necessary for how the business is set up, which I don't like, but I love my job and I get paid to write about the Minnesota Vikings. I will never complain about that. Yeah. Um, I just now saw that uh, to, to train subjects somewhat. Um, Casey Thompson is going to be uh, playing football for his seventh season um, this year with Oklahoma as his fourth school. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. <laughs> because he, he got a medical hardship waiver because he tore his ACL last year at FAU. Um, He's not going to be the starter. He's just going to be a backup, but 
Yeah. Uh, gives him an opportunity to uh, get uh, another master's degree, I think. Like, yeah. look, the, these guys are playing it smart. They are taking oh, you advantage of free college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame them. And uh, it's just very funny that Oklahoma is going to have a a 26-year-old on their roster next season. Like, that is objectively pretty funny. Um, oh, and Cadillac Williams resigned from uh, Auburn. I just saw that, too. Um, I'm a little surprised it didn't happen before last season. I think he was asked to stick around for to help freeze out, I guess. But they should have hired him instead of gross Hugh Freeze. Hiring Hugh Freeze is just it's it's bad. It's very, very bad. Oh no, he's he's a he's a gross bastard. But let's talk about it because he you know, I'll segue here because he was supposed to be the, the Saban killer because he beat him once back when Alabama no, no. was completely he's angry. one of two head coaches ever to beat him in back to back games. Right, exactly. And that's the whole reason Auburn hired him because they're a very normal program. And now Saban's gone. So like, you know, that this guy who had multiple bad games last year is now your head coach and doesn't even have the gimmick that uh you know is why you brought him in but i mean uh saving retiring is massive i mean that's an understatement for you know for sure but uh nicole and i were out at dinner and that popped up on one of the tvs in the the restaurant um and uh man that was just uh one of those things that like you knew it was going to happen eventually but it's just wild to think it happened because he's been there so long and so successful and arguably like defined this past 15 years of college football can you imagine what the football world would look like right now if nick saban had been allowed to take drew Brees in in miami legitimately no i can't um that, that's like the ultimate butterfly effect at least for you know, recent college football. Um, it changes because, everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, say, you know, Alabama has always been like a big on college football school, obviously, but like without Saban there, you know, there's no way they would have built that dynasty, I don't think. Would they, would they have won titles at some point? Sure. I, I think it's very possible, but, you know, Saban was obviously an extremely talented guy who hit the right place at the right time, which is always, you know, like that's what makes like the top echelon coaches, the top echelon guys is in no smart, small part being at the right spot, you know, like built with Bill Belichick, who also retired this week. I mean, and then Pete Carroll. That I don't know if you know about uh, Nick Saban was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator for the 95 Browns. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I saw that photo of them on the sideline together uh, earlier today. When they they did a young. football life on the 95 Browns because that was the year halfway through that it was announced that the team was moving to Baltimore. Yeah. Um, high recommended. It's on YouTube. I'll, I'll find I'll it. check that out. It's very, very, very good. Yeah. And, you know, on top of all this, Pete Carroll retired too. And, uh, I mean, another no, guy. No, he did not retire. That As I, coach, that, right? No. They, oh, he got – did he got got – they get fired. Is that what happened? You got like politely fired. He, he essentially got pushed out of the spot. Oh, that's a shame. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, I thought he was doing like okay ish with Seattle. I mean, Geno Smith's their quarterback, and I'm happy that he's successful enough to be a starting QB, but like, you know, it's Geno Smith. I think they just decided as an organization they were just ready to move on. Okay. Um, well, not necessarily that he was doing bad. They just said it's time. Yeah. He's 72. That's fair. That's very fair. Did you um, did you read the athletics piece on uh, the Belichick move and how they they buried him gently, brother? 
no, but I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, at some of the things that were probably in there. Like, look, it was just time. Yeah. Uh, eventually, voices grow old and stale. And you, it, it's like a pro wrestling booker. It doesn't matter how good they are. Sometimes yeah. it's just time to move on. And it's not necessarily an insult. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. What I'm hearing is Mac Jones is uh, David Finley. Is what? David Finley. Oh, my gosh. Mac Jones sucks. He's awful. I People were talking about him going third overall to the Niners that year. Yeah. And then people around here were talking about, oh, the Vikings should try and trade for him as like a, a bridge guy or maybe he could be something. Like and beat writers like yeah that's a really good idea and I'm like you guys watch football no it's a terrible idea Matt Jones stinks and yeah it's people look people need to watch ball and if you think Matt Jones is good I really question your ball knowledge because he's not well let's talk about with some real ball knowledge because we didn't get to talk about it last week because I was sick and just not you know was addled basically no uh, just a minute Fred you were a coward. Yeah, I'm a coward. Uh, what we really need to talk about in the world of football is the Pop Tart Bowl. Oh, what a I love perfect gimmick! Bowl. What a perfect gimmick! Um, did you see that they announced that they're doing the Pop Tart Bowl again next year? And yeah, I did. I watched. I watched the announced uh, video, and it was oh. perfect too. I mean, this is the. I mean, it's like they took the Duke's Mayo Bowl and turned it up to a hundred. I mean. You know, Duke, Duke's mayo, you know, got carved themselves out a nice little spot with their, you know, the, the dump the mayo on the coach gimmick and all that, which is disgusting. But, you know, it's a good bit. And then the Pop Tart Bowl was like, oh, okay, we could do this too. And uh, just got super weird with it. And it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. College football is perfectly absurd and ridiculous. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. College football oh, it's is great. beautifully absurd. But the more like college football, um, or I'm sorry, the more college football is like uh, minor league baseball in terms of a little wackiness. That's great part of comparison. It. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's what they need to do. Um, uh, but yeah, um, it's it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic gimmick. The whole pop tart thing, and uh, you know. Great stuff. My my Great in-laws stuff. were in town, and we went to dinner, and they had the Pop-Tart Bowl on, and I was getting really excited towards the end of the game. They're like, Tyler, why are you getting excited? I'm like, oh, they're going to eat the mascot. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the mascot is edible. They're like, hold on. What? Yeah, the suit the mascot's wearing is a an actual Pop-Tart, and they, it can be eaten. And they're like, what? I'm like, look, college football is incredibly stupid, and I mean that in the most endearing way possible. College football is dumb. And this is peak, peak, peak college football. Now what they yeah. need to do is they need to make the Pop-Tart Bowl and Duke's Mayo Bowl. They oh, need no. to make them playoff games. And yeah. not only that, but the winners have to play each other. And yet, uh, if uh, and the winner of the Pop-Tart the, Bowl... The Will Levis Bowl? If the winner of the Pop-Tart Bowl beats the winner of the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the... Um, they have to eat pop tarts dipped in mayo. That's just like, disgusting. Of course, it's disgusting, but it's well, th- that's what makes college football beautiful. Now, I think that um, <clears throat> I'm afraid that the avocados from Mexico bowl 
Uh, no, you have to say avocados from Mexico. I'm I'm worried that he might get some ideas from all this. Uh, I feel bad for anyone that has to walk around in a edible avocado suit. That's a bad time. Um, hey, uh, you know what? Just give everybody a, a bag of chips and just let them uh, scoop the avocado off like it's guac. Like if if you don't if you think all of this is stupid and absurd, you're correct, and it's what makes college football the best sport in the world. Did you? Um... I'm segueing here because it was talked about on this week's shutdown full cast for 45 minutes. And uh, as the top story over the national championship game, and frankly, as it should have been, um, did you see the guy get stuck in the urn? Yes. God, it's, <sighs> it's perfect. I it's love perfect. this. It's, it's just so great. Um, if from and, and, all accounts, the guy is okay. Oh yeah, he's okay. They got him. They got him loose, um, and uh, he's fine. But if if you haven't seen it, this guy uh, at a party in Alabama, who's from Mississippi and has like the Mississippi accent, uh, the one that actors often try to do and, and fail miserably at um, when they're you know trying to do a southern character. Um, this guy is stuck up to his chest in like a giant urn that he has squeezed himself into. And I mean, the first video showing him stuck in it features him uttering the, the, the perfect, the, 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 the it's art, the, the greatest line that will ever be said by humanity. I took my belt off and didn't do shit. <laughs> um, a hundred percent just search Connor urn and look at that stuff. There's two videos, one of them stuck in it and one of them eventually being freed. And it's, uh, it's art. It really is. God, I, I absolutely love, love college football perfect. so much. Um, perfect. It, perfect is the exact right way to talk about college football. Um, but I could talk about college football all day, but we really should get to this professional wrestling business, Fred. Yeah. That, let me tell you podcast about it i guess so oh that's what this show's about i guess i, I mean look i i'd happily change this into a connor stuck in an urn podcast <laughs> that would 100 percent be my bullshit but uh yeah listen i'm in <laughs> we're gonna we'll find out how long it takes for for uh joe and rich to actually listen to one of our episodes if we did that you know, are you kidding it Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's dive into this. You think Joe and Rich would be upset about us talking about college football pop tart mascots when they oh, I mean exclusively forty five minutes talking about some bullshit double A minor leaguer for ten minutes of of a pro wrestling show? Come on. No, I'm a hundred percent suggesting that we just give up on wrestling. <laughs> it just oh, oh okay. Now, I, I think that I think that would bother them at some point. They'd be like, "Okay, listen, can you do a little bit? Like, even by our standards, look, AEW is back, baby. It um, is. This isn't the most back week, but it was a pretty back week. Um, it was it was good. the The vibes were there. I can't say that these were like all time shows or anything, but you know, I'm not going to complain about them. It's good wrestling matches that mean something. And you know what? They're talking about records being meaningful again. Hook is challenging for the world title. Hook is what 45 and 3, 28 and 1 singles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, of course, he but, should be challenging for the world title. But but is he as deserving as Jinder Mahal? Oh God, damn it! Um, no, he's more deserving than Jinder Mahal. I love it. Oh, Jinder Mahal walks back in. What he hasn't won a match in what like fourteen months? He walks back into the company he's like, I want a title shot. Why? It's not like you were John Cena and you had to drop the title because you tore your pec. Like, no, you don't get a title shot. You don't deserve a title shot. You know, people talked about AEW being this company where people just walk out and make challenges. Same with New Japan. But there's logic behind these guys making challenges. Like, Kenny Omega lost the junior title, turned and became the leader of Bullet Club and challenged for the Intercontinental title. That makes sense. Should they he maybe have won before? But he's going up to heavyweight. And now he's the leader of the most popular faction in the company. Okay. Uh, right. AW but- Swerve comes out and says, I want that title from Samoa Joe. Makes sense. Like, Ginger Bahal? Shut up. Um, it's just funny how like how much some people feel like they have to double down on the whole like I'm pro WWE and anti AEW and vice versa because they have to like they've worked themselves into a shoot to the point of like Jinder Mahal is good and, and Lexus King is good. AEW didn't know how to use Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> like, oh, buddy. Um, footnote on Jinder Mahal. Uh, we all know that uh, Bray Wyatt's last uh, in ring feud was with LA Knight, but before that, uh, he worked a loop of four. House shows against Jinder Mahal uh, in late December 2022, which is mildly interesting. Um, would you like to guess uh, who Jinder Mahal defeated in his last uh, singles victory at all on uh, WWE TV? And Can then, you... and on top of that, I'd also like you to guess uh, the the who he faced uh, and defeated in his last uh, like main roster uh, victory. Oh, uh, where, uh, what day was his last victory? His last victory period uh, on TV, not, not including house shows um, was on January 10th, 2023. And it was on NXT as I kind of alluded to. And that was against. Uh... Hold on, let me guess. Let me guess. All right, okay, all right. Um, okay. Junior Mahal NXT. It set up um, a, a loss later to Braun Breaker. I will tell you that much. Is it Carmelo Hayes? No, it was not. Carmelo was pushed too much at that point. Um, I, I think, although sometimes it's hard to tell. I mean, look at Baron Corbin this year or past year. Um, no, it was Julius Creed in a singles match. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and then his last, uh, his last televised uh, SmackDown victory, and I'm you know voting in the ma- the rest of the main roster with it, uh, was in June 2022 against Humberto in a three minute thirty squash. That sounds like a world title challenger to me. Yeah, I don't know man. about you. To, to get to his last his his win prior to all that on TV, you have to go all the way back to October 2021 when he beat Kofi Kingston in the King of the Ring first round. Goodness gracious. 
Fred, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't have nothing against Jinder Mahal personally or anything. He actually seems kind of like a cool dude, I guess, but, uh, you know, within the realm. But that dude is apparently vegan. And look hey, at him. He's jacked as hell. Maybe he can. Uh, I, I just hope he stops getting injured. It's never good when anyone keeps getting injured. Um, but I just wonder if he has a, a, like an IV of soy protein going directly into his bloodstream at all times just to get enough protein to get that jacked. Buddy, he is a, uh, a large gentleman. He has been like, tanning. Like, it's sort. hard enough for vegetarians to get enough protein to to become that kind oh, of Oh, yeah. yeah, it's hard. But Brian vegan? Danielson's talked about this. Yeah. But vegan, just imagine mm-hmm. how much harder that is. Yeah. All right, we um, should move on because Jinder Mahal sucks, and we have a lot of actual good things to talk about, but I don't think this will be one of them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're kind of in a, a waiting pattern. It's been a light news week for AEW, thank God, outside of the stupid social media drama surrounding Tony Khan and Jinder Mahal and Hook. Um, but I think the um, I think the biggest news right now is we're really in a, a, a holding pattern, I think, essentially, per reports. Uh, that Mercedes uh, Monet is coming into AEW, which I think would be a massive get for the company. And, uh, you know, um, once that happens, I'm mildly surprised it didn't happen in Jacksonville because, you know, it's Jacksonville. It's Daly's place. You, you'd think that would be prime if you got the deal together to, to de- debut her there. But maybe they're holding off for a little bit. Um, but... Um, yeah, she's apparently the talk is that she's very likely to sign with AEW. Nothing's final until it's put on paper, obviously. But uh, it seems like she's coming in, and uh, you know, good for uh, that's a great move for AEW and a great move for a women's division that really suffered in 2023. Man, I worry about Mercedes uh, having a mic in her hand, but. In ring, hell yeah! You know what they should do with Mercedes? Pair her with Stokely Hathaway. Just have Stokely be the mouthpiece, and let's let Mercedes just do what she does in the ring and never talk. You know who? Uh... I don't mean that as an insult, but when you have Stokely Hathaway, all you have to do is grab the mic and be like "money" and just be cool as fuck. Uh, this brings me to my general point that I think Stokely's been underwhelming in AEW just because he really hasn't been given a, a direction and a chance to do anything like in a straight line. He keeps having his role changed. And uh, mm-hmm. that's not a knock on him as a performer. It's just kind of frustrating because I never really saw much of his stuff on the indies. Uh, but, you know, he's obviously got that reputation. And, I mean, in AEW, he's been the firm's guy. He was briefly Jade's guy, and then he wasn't. Um, he was shuffled off to Ring of Honor to be their authority figure, and now he's in this weird spot with uh, Willow and Statlander. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I just wish that you know we got full blown Stokely doing stuff. But uh, I, I do think Stokely would probably be great with Mercedes. That probably you know I, I think Mercedes. I'm probably a little higher on Mercedes as a promo than you. I think she can do decent promos. Uh, it's kind of it's actually rather analogous to Jade Cargill. Um, I think Taped it's, promos, it's, yes. Live mic promos, that's my worry. A lot of presence uh, that helps carry those segments, I think. Um, but that brings me to my point. You know, who could probably do well with her is Mark Sterling, because I think Sterling was an underrated part of helping Cargill get over. 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's Bobby Heenan or anything, but like, I do think he's an underrated manager. Um, Let's talk about this because while I agree with you, I also think you're wrong. Um, I think smart Mark Sterling is really good. My brain just associates him with uh, undercard acts because right now he's with Tony Nese and he's done. He's been with a lot of undercard people too. It's like, I don't know. I, I feel like she's too big. He like Mercedes would be too big for smart Mark Sterling. And maybe that's just a barrier that I can't get over and I'm just wrong, but that's just kind of the vibes that I have with him. I can't terribly disagree to be honest, but I do think that he showed that he could be higher up the card with Jade, who was, you know, not quite a main eventer, but like a, a definite star act at points in AEW. So, uh, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, brief note here. I got to double check this actually. Uh, so I'm going to, by time but yeah i mean i i don't know you know it'll be interesting to see where mercedes slots in um but um yeah um okay here here i just saw this story um in the observer this week Meltzer said that um tony khan pretty much let sting pick who he wanted to have as his uh final opponents in this upcoming match and i think it, you know we should talk about this i think separate from just the show review because i think it's very interesting because i i you know the presumption seemed to be that it was going to be a solo match against darby allen and you put darby over and you know that would be the way to go out right um yeah. but i i think it's uh very interesting that instead they're doing a tag match against the Young Bucks. And Meltzer says his report he's Meltzer is reporting that uh Tony Khan basically let Sting pick uh whoever he wanted to face. And that would be essentially anyone outside of WWE because he would have, you know, done whatever he could to bring in anyone. And uh Sting picked the Young Bucks because he loved the Forbidden Door 2022 match. Uh that was uh Sting and Darby and Shingo against uh, the Bucks and El Fantasmo. And the Bucks actually were not planned to come in for a while. They were going to take some more time off, but basically they were told, hey, Sting wants to work his retirement match with you. And they were like, well, yeah, of course. So um, I think that's a cool story. Uh, kind of undercuts the whole the young Bucks don't know how to work if, uh, if Sting's choosing you as his retirement match. But um, Those people were always dumb anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just more of the, the you know, the culture war nonsense and wrestling but yeah so let's, let's I, talk about the match itself yeah are you excited for that yes i think this will be a lot of fun i think the bucks are going to work their absolute asses off oh, to yeah. make this great i think the, it's the cool. bumping i think it's cool as hell that sting is going to work a his final match at the greensboro coliseum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. look it would have been cooler to do the georgia dome but the georgia dome no longer exists and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, just no, it, it's not the same. Um, my question for you is this, because I struggle with the fact that they're really not putting any, he's not putting anybody over. But I also don't think he has to. I My theory is this, he's not doing a singles match because he can't. And the reason why he's been in all these tag matches is because you can hide his deficiencies really well when you have Darby Allen acting like a psychopath from Jackass circa 1999. And those bumps, man. Dude, that bump he took from uh, Takeshita and Hobbs. Yes. He did the pendulum and threw him across the ring, and he did like a 720 barrel roll. Oh, God. Did a Vikingo-style flip, basically. (laughs) Oh. But 
I do think it kind of stinks he's not putting anybody over per se. Yeah. But his entire run put Darby Allen over. Mm-hmm. So can you really be mad? No. But I, I think he could have been they could have done better, if that makes sense. Honestly, I don't know, man. I think um I think that he fits in just fine the way he is and that he's done enough, you know. I think this will do just as much to get Darby over as, you know, him doing a one on one with any jobs in. And frankly, I do think the past year Sting has started to show his age far more and more. Um, He's just, uh, it's rough, man. It's really rough uh, at some points. Like, it's not like he's a bad worker or anything, but like he's showing his age. And uh, that was far less of a thing early on, I do believe, in his run. Um, And, uh, yeah, um, it's a shame, but I think that he uh, he's done about as well as he can. I mean, I, I can't really knock anything he's done. He, you know, I like I thought he was all right in the J.D. Drake uh, work horseman match. Um, and I thought that this past week he was mostly OK. Um, maybe we need to have this drink run out of time, but maybe we should have a, a come to Jesus moment when it comes to some of these bumps and how they're planned out because that scorpion death drop off of the stand just about um went real bad um and um here's here's my take on this fred if he wants to do it i don't care the man is 64 years old he knows what he should and shouldn't be doing if he feels like he can do it let him it, like mm. that, that, that's my thing and this is one of those safety police kind of discussions we've had these before if the wrestler who knows what the risks are decide that they want to do it and it's not absolutely egregious like if he wanted to take a scorpion death drop off like the um like from 15 feet high onto the concrete okay tell him that. but through two tables he knows what he's doing he's a professional if he wants to do it let him do it like that's fine. If he gets hurt, he knows the risks. He's been doing this for over 40 years. I'm not going to really lament a guy for wanting to just put on great matches on his way out. Like, let him. See, I disagree slightly. I, I am also not like a huge safety police guy, but you do have to make sure your performers aren't like going to kill themselves on live TV. And, uh, I mean, uh, Sting is is up there in age, and uh, you know, um, probably could have made that slightly safer. But yeah, yeah. It, it, if he wants to do it, I don't give a shit. Yeah, cool. That's fair. Uh, that was a wild spot, though, and cool as hell. Um, and I'm glad nothing that he... will top Darby being thrown. Well, in that 720 barrel roll, that's one of the coolest spots I've ever seen. That's a, I mean, Darby keeps finding ways to, to bump like a maniac, and God bless. How him old for is it. Darby? He's just on the, uh, just crossed 30 a year or two ago, I think. I think he's 31. Listen, I don't mean this as insulting, but yeah, are, you 31. Surprised, are you surprised Darby's alive? <laughs> God. Um, am I, am I Dave Shearer now? <laughs> No, um. <laughs> the dude just keeps doing things that look like he's going to die, and he just continues to do it. That bump against Takeshi in the singles match where he does this, oh, the God. tope 
But when Darby does it, he goes through the bottom and middle rope and he like turns his back and like thrusts himself through the ropes like a cannonball. And Takeshi just knees him right between the shoulder blades. Oh, remember the Samoa Joe match? I was thinking about which one they're so good. (laughs) Any of them, really. Uh, but I was thinking about those the uh earlier this week, and uh, man, Darby is quite possibly the best bump taker in wrestling history uh unless you consider like mikey whipwreck uh i mean he's basically mikey whipwreck but a better in-ring guy um so yeah i mean it's darby rules um we got other news to talk about we're 30 minutes in damn um time flies listen pop tarts are important they are important uh cj perry is going to have to have surgery again uh on her finger uh, she posted more pictures of it. Hopefully, we don't get video of her um, throwing up. Um, she, uh, I, from her Instagram mat, uh, post, I should say, it may, she made it sound like she had it's MRSA, which one isn't a surprise, and two, it's not great. Um, between your choices, I would choose not MRSA, um, unless you're choosing like VRE or something that is even worse. But MRSA is some serious shit. Um, and uh you know hopefully they're able to get her you know fully healed and uh i think in a day or two uh you may see some more gross pictures on instagram if you're into that all the best to her uh infections are gnarly um i was almost septic and i wasn't that which is cool uh but it's they're they're just gnarly and they can come out of nowhere so uh, all the best to her and hopefully she keeps her finger yeah, I mean that's a that's a genuine concern. Unfortunately, um, you're not just saying that lightly. Um, you got to hope that um, they're able to clear that infection. Her finger, you know, a recent picture showed it was like very swollen and quite red. Uh, typically, a collar you do not want your finger to be. So, um, yeah, best of luck to her, and I hope that it continues to improve. Uh, a couple other health notes. Uh, Brian Cage is working through a torn lat that he suffered in the uh, four-way match to determine Kingston's first challenger. Uh, I think it was when Trit German suplexed him at some point in the match. And uh, Roosh tore his hamstring in the C2. So we talked about that one last week. I think Brett. we did, yeah. I say it out loud and it reminds me, but hey. Um we, next up on my note on my news list is DJ Wu Kid. He was on a podcast this week. I forgot to make note of who it was. It was someone I, uh, uh, Joe and Sam, the Sam Roberts you. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where he talked about witnessing brawl out, and uh, for all the the tweets that uh, Chris Jericho about NDAs, apparently DJ Wu Kid did not get an NDA to sign. Um, I have a request for our episode subtitle this week. Tyler, and it's that it'd be this quote from DJ Wukid, who said, quote, it was blood and killing and death. God, I love the sport. Oh, boy. And he also referred to a Hawaiian-looking big guy in the following quote, who, you know, has to be Samoa Joe. It wasn't confirmed, obviously, but it's gotta be. He said, the shit that's crazy is there was a yelling moment where he was like, yo, Fuck this shit. This is our moment. Everyone get the fuck out of here and do your shit. And I was like, I don't even know how to wrestle, but I was about to go out there. <laughs> it was very intense, man. I will always respect wrestling after I saw that. 
Uh, get DJ Wukid on uh, Dynamite more often. <laughs> I hate AEW more often. Um, but that, that got popped me pretty good. And then um, just a couple other things. Pac is expected to return soon, uh, which good. He rules. And then finally, uh, Brian Danielson will be facing Zack Sabre Jr. on February 11th at New Japan's The New Beginning in Osaka, which should rule. Uh, so excited for that. God, how cool and, is uh, that that he's going to go wrestle in Osaka? I know, he's like, right? oh, I, yeah, this is my last full year of wrestling. And then he just like, let's go wrestle in Osaka. Like, yeah. this guy is just a fucking nerd. And I love it. Like, I, I, I'm waiting for the time where he just appears in CMLL and attacks Blue Panther. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. I, 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 still, I still hope we get one day Brian Danielson versus Virus. Um that would be the perfect CMLL match. No, the perfect CMLL match would be Brian Danielson versus Mystico. Oh, that would be fantastic too. Oh. But, but Virus is, you know, the Yave guy, basically, you know, the, the Mexican technical guy. And, uh, you know, he, I, I would love to watch that match. Uh, do you want to talk about the shows first? Or do you want to talk about our ballots for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards? Fred, I'll let you pick. Oh, no, pressure. Uh, let's talk about the shows first, because frankly, I don't have too much to say about them. I thought they were both pretty solid, um, with few like real high level segments on them. Nothing bad, my stretch, but you know. Um, but, so, like Collision, let's talk about that first. I thought the highlight was definitely uh, Trent versus Eddie Kingston. That was the best match on there. I went uh, four stars on it. Um, just you know, two dudes beating the hell out of each other and um thought it was damn entertaining um we got a trend uh, a sue sighting but she was not involved uh hopefully that is successful to joe lanza and um but yeah i mean they just uh dropped bombs on each other especially in the second segment of the match and uh kingston retained his title uh, i thought that was cool um outside of that i thought um you know, the only other match that I'd really recommend on any level is, like, as far as, like, a go-out-of-your-way-to-see-it thing is FTR versus House of Black. Um, quick note, I think it's very funny that they announced represent, as representing the House of Black, the House of Black, uh, like they did here. That popped me. Um, maybe change that slightly. I don't know. But this was a long match, and I'll be honest, uh, I thought the go-home portion was great, but I thought the, the first two were just a little too meandering um uh like i just felt like they didn't really maximize their usage of that time uh but i did like it um i liked the the finish which was uh birdie king came out to be a monster and cheat and uh daniel garcia comes out for the save and uh chucks a chair into his head uh and ftr wins by getting a sunset flip on dax um, and then afterwards, we get uh, the House of Black killing the faces uh, and clearly setting up a uh, trios match. Uh, I went three and three quarter on this match. I thought it was um, good. Uh, I do wish that the first like half of it uh, was better, uh, but you know, it's still good. Um, and uh, those are kind of my two big notes in terms of positives on it. I don't have a lot of negatives. I thought the Darby and Sting tag was like fine, but they weren't really given enough time to. Or, or didn't do enough crazy stuff to really like have a, a great Darby and Sting match. Um, 
I think the work horsemen are very competent. I think they're very good, frankly. Uh, and I would have liked to see, I would like to see them be featured more, but you know, it's, you know, what they've got. JD Drake is more up there than you would think. Um, I, I think he's up in, uh, late forties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he's 43. Okay. So not late forties, but, uh, cage match says 39, which is shocking to me, but okay. Oh yeah, I know. Right. You, you know what JD Drake looks like, and What's... you're not from the Midwest. So this may not hit you. Like it hits me. It's like when you go into a small town bar in South Dakota and you walk in and you see a dude, uh, wearing, a plaid shirt tucked into his jeans, his guts hanging out, and there's like the top two or three buttons are undone, and he's drinking an old Milwaukee at the corner of the bar. Like that is JD Drake. Brother, you say that to me like I'm not from West Virginia. Fair. Okay, fair. <laughs> uh JD Drake rules. I I uh I, I do want to do a cheap plug here. I watched um uh Prestige Wrestling Show from earlier this week. Um with um uh, called Rosalind Seven that took place on January fifth, and uh, there was a very a pretty fun um, uh, workhorseman match against Eddie Pearl and Ricky Gibson. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ricky Gibson is the son of Robert Gibson, and um, I think that guy could really be something. Um, uh, he's uh, he's a good he's a good guy. Um, Anyways, uh, good match and good show. Like, a very solid show. Um, anyways, uh, I am distracting myself here. Oh, I guess he's not related to Robert Gibson. What am I talking about? Sorry. Um, um, Robert Gibson's kids in the NWA. Well, no, that's uh, Morton. That's, that's Morton's kid. Never yeah, mind. Morton's kid. Yeah. I thought there was also a Gibson kid, but I guess it's just uh, just a coincidental name. Or non-coincidental. Um, anyways, uh yeah, you know, I, I just went to the plat three on the Darby and Sting match. Um, it just wasn't given enough time to go anywhere. Um, uh, there was an Ed, I'm sorry, Adam Copeland match, not Edge, and uh, against Griff Garrison, which was like a, a solid TV match. Um, there is also Kingdom did a fun, not quite squash of Commander Brian Keith. I went three and a quarter on. I went three on the, the Copeland match. Uh, there was a, and then there was. Um, a not particularly good uh, Kira Hogan Sky Blue match, and uh, I will look Tony Khan. If if you or someone you pay listens to the show, I am genuinely making this offer. I will donate twenty dollars to any reasonable charity you offer. I will I'll PayPal it to you personally, Tony Khan. I don't give a shit if you will just give me one week of Sky Blue off TV, <laughs> please. I just need to not have her working every single week. Um, I'm not saying she stinks or anything. This isn't even like that personal or like that um, that level. I just need Sky Blue to to take a week off. Send her on that John Moxley fishing trip. <laughs> anything to to just give me a break from Sky Blue continually sky bluing. Um, but I thought this was a mess and. Uh, and that's about all I really had to say about the show. Um, there was a Ric Flair and Sting promo, actually, I do want to mention, um, that I thought was pretty fun. Just uh, two old guys doing 80 shtick while Darby looked on kind of bemused. 
Um, and that's about my collision notes. Uh, you got anything else, Tyler? I realize I just like steamrolled you there, Dave Meltzer style, but yeah, um, I, I kind of had collision on the background because obviously, um, it's been a very busy time for me. Um, no, I really don't have any issues. I, I thought giving the workhorsemen more time should have been a thing. Uh, yeah. You kind of mentioned it. Like, look, you're not pushing them, but I was at that uh, Rampage taping when they were in the eight-man tag with Brian mm-hmm. Cage. And they could just go. Just they're good. let them work. They're good. I don't know, like, if they're going to be, you know, like, high-level stars or anything, but they're really solid workers, and I think they can fit into a niche, niche on TV. Um, and you know what they could have done is they could have uh, just cut Andrew Everett and Claudio because I got to tell you, Andrew Everett crapped the bed. I thought he just had, and I've seen Andrew Everett before, and I think he's good. This isn't like a, a knock on him as a talent level. He just seemed to be really off this night and botched just about everything he does or did in, in taking this squash. And um, it was just, uh, it was rough. Um, that was a, a one-star match and like not the normal, like this is a squash though, kind of low on the scale. Like it was, it was not good. No. Um, and I think that's kind of all the, the notable stuff really from this show. It was kind of a low key show, which isn't necessarily bad. It was just kind of, you know, you know, so it was fine. Um, and then we got dynamite, um, Man, Adam Page and Claudio uh, shockingly putting two of the best wrestlers in the world together and just letting them have 15 minutes on TV means that you have a great match. Who could have thought? Shocking. I know, Absolutely just, shocking. Who could have foreseen, etc., etc. <laughs> but this rolled, man. <laughs> um, the the recola bomb off the second rope into the Rana by... Uh, that was a awesome spot um but i mean these guys just look great and uh it was a lot of fun and uh this is the kind of stuff we should be doing more often in AEW, like two pretty high level guys and one just wins and that's okay i don't think this did anything to diminish claudio at all no um and claudio's at that point in his career where you can beat him and it's yeah it still means something but it also doesn't matter as far as hurting him yeah like this is perfect yeah uh, then we got a nice video tribute to uh, Brody Lee, rest in peace. Um, put it over that Preston Vance and Anna Jay were his protégés, and uh, I guess they were on Rampage. So I, you know, like somewhat caveating this, but man, uh, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Evil Uno um, were not appearing in this film. Hmm. Like, didn't even really get mentioned at all, and uh, I think that just kind of shows where they are in the company right now. I want to point this out because I found it on my YouTube. They put it up a couple days ago. The best moments from the Daily's Place era oh, cool. um, is on YouTube. It's like two hours and 45 minutes. The first uh, clip is the debut of Brody Lee. God, how great would that have been in front of fans, man? But yeah, oh. they, were, they were going to debut him in his hometown, too, up in Buffalo. I think that was one of the first Dynamites to get. Rochester. Uh, yeah, Rochester. Thank you. Sorry. Um, oh, apologies to... Uh to uh the area um i was going to make a joke there and then decided not to um but yeah um i don't know if i'm ready to go back and watch you know pandemic era stuff yet that's tough but but it's it's just clips of the best moments from that era so it's like 
it was really weird watching it with uh no fans but oh it's so it was weird. also really cool yeah he, he rules um Brody, it's a damn shame that like WWE managed to misuse him for so long and he finally got out and then we got such a brief period with him doing his stuff and uh it's a damn shame um it is but um all right next up we had uh one of the two tribute matches uh eight man tag Copeland, Dustin Rhodes, Orange Cassidy, and Preston Vance against Bishop Khan, Brian Cage, Toa Leona, and uh, Lance Archer as the fourth man here. And um, I thought this was fun, not particularly notable, just, you know, kind of a nice early 90s WCW style, like Saturday night, you know, stars versus stars kind of match, you know, like an all-star tag, and it was fun. Um, it's kind of missing anything that really pushed it over the edge. It's great to see Lance Archer. Guy should be used far more often. And then Lance Archer argued with the Gates of Agony after the loss. Um, uh, the Vance, uh, Preston Vance, I think, hit the discus lariat on Bishop Khan for the pin, but they didn't show the move because uh, AW is very good at production. Um, and yeah, um, I thought this was a perfectly respectable match. Yeah, I think perfectly respectable is uh, a great way to put it. Push Lance Archer. Yeah. Please, let's get more Lance Archer on television. I I don't know. I could mention him some, you know. I don't know if it's a Tony Khan thing. I don't know if it's a Lance Archer thing. But based on Archer's comments when he returned from that uh, torn uh, tricep, Sounds like it's an AEW thing, not wanting to utilize him. Just put him in and let him do cool shit. Like, he can lose. You know what he should do? He should be Big Show circa 2004. He should be the final boss kind of wrestler. Sure. You know, he'd fit in perfectly in Ring of Honor like that, I think, would be a particularly great spot for him. Um I if anyone knew what like Ring of Honor is really supposed to be right now, um, I think that'd be a great usage of him. But yeah, man, like um, Lance Archer still rules. He had a, the, the the World Tag League was a nice little run for him and um, Alex Zane. I nearly said Sammy, but it's Alex Zane as the uh, oh I forget what they call their tag team, but you know Zane, Monster Sauce. Yeah, Monster Sauce because uh, Zane's obsessed with Taco Bell and. Lance Archer is Lance Archer. Uh, that would be a perfectly cromulent uh, Ring of Honor tag team. You know, so Way to use cromulent on this podcast. Hey, buddy. Uh, that's why I make the big bucks. Uh, we got another Bullet Club Gold and uh, Clean promo talking about possibly lighting up. And then we got fantastic segment, buddy. This is I love this. I love this so much. This is, I mean, it's early, but this could be a promo of the year contender or segment of the year contender or whatever term you want to use here. World champion Samojo who came out and Nicole looked up from her knitting at him and said, now that's a man. And that is categorically true. Yes. 
Uh, true words have literally never been spoken. Uh, he cuts a fantastic champion about how we're making changes here. Uh, you don't whine on the mic about your misfortune. No more social media ho-ass comments. You bring your record and your reputation. And if the championship committee deems you worthy, you get an opportunity. Your champion will be waiting. This part ruled, and then it just got better because Hangman Page came out. Actually, no, Swerve came out first. Um, with the Gates of Agony uh, and Nana. And um, Swerve says, basically... He brings up how he told Hangman it wasn't personal. He was just after his spot, and he took it. And he's saying the same thing to Joe, and he just wants that championship, and he's going to take it. And um, and then if you make it personal after I take it, I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> and then Hangman Page came out, um, and uh, you know he says 2023 held a lot for him, but 2024 is going to be his. He gets in Joe's face, asks who he's smirk- smirking at. And he hasn't forgot what you had done to me. I'm going to take this from you for it. So Paige and Sora both leave. Joe stands tall. And then we get the hook signal. Hook comes out with his top tier theme song, Action Bronson, and uh, gets in Joe's face. A plus segment. I am hyped. I'm excited for next week's match. And uh, this made Hook look cool as hell. It helps set up future programs. I don't think anyone really thought Hook was going to lose to Joe, frankly. But, you know, it kind of does telegraph that he's not going to. Uh, or that he is going to lose to Joe, I should say. And uh, But I don't care, man. This this was cool. This was cool. You probably could have structured it slightly more, I guess, to maybe make it less obvious. Have something about how Hook was, you know, thought it was offensive that those two guys assumed he was, you know, the title was still want to be on Joe. But, yeah, good stuff all in all. And then hold on, hold on. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. AW is back. Oh, this AW's... is making the world title mean something. This is yeah, yeah. Like, this this was just great. And yeah, this was a oh yeah, I loved it. Go ahead. Samoa Joe as the world champion is the coolest fucking thing of all time. I, I love this. Like, imagine if this guy's body was ten years younger. How incredible this run could end up being. It's still going to be great. Oh no, but, he's oh. it's amazing to me that like his last world championship reign was like what 15 years ago almost in, in unless TNA. you count NXT. I yeah, don't I, count I guess NXT as a world NXT. title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like you know, ignoring that, like this guy this guy was born to to be a world champion in wrestling. Like he just looks natural as hell being the top guy in a company, and the fact Again, like we all, you know, you know, you look back at Vince McMahon's career and you ignore all the being a creep stuff just for this discussion of like what he was able to do and everything. Um, but I do think you can't really understate just how bad he was in like his last five to ten years on top of uh, creative at WWE because like there were so many fumble chances and one of them was Samoa Joe. Um, like, I don't know how you look at what he was at that point in time when he was, you know, healthier and, uh, you know, younger. And, um, like, he, he, and you're just not like, oh, this guy's a world champion. We need to push the hell out of him. I, I don't get it. But, hey. Um, and then I'm going to give some credit here to an unlikely source, Tyler. I, uh, I enjoyed a Tony Storm segment. Uh, okay. Uh, when she... 
she looks at uh Mariah May and is like, "Darling, I didn't see it." But but how was it? Did you do an arm drag? The arm drag. Phenomenal. That was me. great. Um, when Mariah, I also enjoyed Mariah complaining about getting kicked in the face by Deanna Prazzo and uh, and Tony Storm giving her a chocolate. And then uh, Mariah May blowing uh, Tony Storm's catchphrase. Uh, this, my my biggest complaint with uh, the whole Tony Storm gimmick to date. Well, my two biggest one, and this such completely affects this one, is that it kind of ruins her matches. And she's a great worker. She doesn't, you know, like you are definitely bringing down her match quality because of the shtick. But two, the sec, the backstage segments, the interviews, the pre-tapes have largely especially before this just like lacked any kind of direction like you had the idea for the gimmick but then you didn't do anything with the segments like there were no jokes you know they're just like well she acts wacky that'll be enough and it's not and i feel like it's really like been bad overall but this was actually i feel like the best tony storm segment so so kudos to them for for landing one um i am not a timeless fan yet if they do this regularly like i'm more open to it i feel like it's probably better away from the world title picture on the women's division but like okay you know kind of late to cross that one but yeah um i thumbs up to this segment uh this was this was good um yeah tony also um saying she was sent a screener of the match but didn't get to it um it was a good segment, man. I, I, I got to give credit where credit's due, and this was a mm-hmm. good comedy segment. Um, please keep this momentum going forward if you're going to do this gimmick. Um, next up, let's talk about kind of a mess. Uh, Ricky Starks and Samuel Guevara. Um, Did Ricky Starks get knocked loopy? Oh, buddy. That was, I saw some talk about that. I don't know. I honestly didn't think there was any spot that, like, where he looked like he was doing anything other than selling. And like, I think Starks is one of the best sellers in wrestling today. He's very realistic looking. So what I saw, I thought was just selling. Uh, but this mess was this match. It was a mess. Um, they just weren't on the same page. Uh, Starks being shook up or concussed even would make sense given how this went. Uh, now I do hope that if, you know, that if he was concussed, they would have caught that, but sometimes you don't know, and you know. Um, but yeah, this was just sloppy. It had a very abrupt finish. Um, and uh I don't know. Like Starks in the post match looked fine. I didn't think he was um concussed in that. Uh and then uh AEW did a smart but also funny thing, um, where Jericho comes out. Uh, but to, I, I think to, uh, kind of try to undercut any attempts to boo him, they just play Judas the entire time. They go new Jack with him, and they do the, the big brawl across the arena thing. And, uh, look, it was an inspired decision. Um, it was also obvious what they were trying to do, but you know, it was a, the brawl was fine. Um, nothing particularly notable. And I honestly think they're probably just going to try to, blow off this feud i would not be surprised if on battle for the belts uh, it's a ret- you know the starks bill team retain the belt and uh jericho just kind of goes on a little vacation but i guess we'll see i'm not gonna lie i love that they have this match on battle of the belts and if they were smart guvera and jericho would end up winning the titles because battle of the belts has just felt like a waste of time 
because nobody, the titles never change hands. The matches always feel predetermined. This is your opportunity. Well, to... I have bad news for you about the matches and being predetermined. Shut up, Fred. Um, <laughs> I I can suspend my disbelief for professional wrestling. It, I can't do it for Battle of the Belts, and I think AEW knows that, and they need to do something about it. And this is the perfect way to do it. Make shows matter. Like WWE used to have world title changes and intercontinental title changes at house shows, yeah, because you knew it could matter. Well, make battle of the belts matter. Have the tag team titles change hands. I am going through the results for battle of the belts now, and uh, yeah, the, a title has never changed hands on a single battle of the belts, which kind of really undercuts the whole gimmick to not do it even once. Um. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I don't know that I agree on doing the tag title belt change because of the current circumstances. Um, Jericho is just in a really tough spot right now. And I'm saying this with the presumption that there aren't actual allegations out there against him. Um, what I have seen has largely seemed to be like presumptive and not supported by anyone making any outward claims. It may just be that I am ignorant um which would not be new uh but i'm doing my best here to be fair and i do feel like you know if there's not a concrete accusation against him then we shouldn't treat it like there is one um if he is actually uh if he actually has done this stuff before then uh you know sexual assault type stuff um throw him in the river like i just don't need to see him anymore um yeah i think that's the big thing if any accusations end up being proven true, fuck them. Yeah. But right now, you can't go by internet rumors. Like we talked about college football earlier in the show. If you went off of what you read on message boards and claimed that as fact, oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. That, like, that's essentially what this is. You can't. Like, you have a, a, somebody who claims to be a real reporter that, comping him to Harvey Weinstein without being able to provide any form of substantial evidence. And then just saying, oh, I only admit that he was uh, mean or whatever it was they said. I forget now. Yeah, well then call him an asshole. Don't call him Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. This isn't hard. It'd be like, I don't know, it'd be kind of like saying, oh, this guy reminds me of Jeffrey you know, um, Epstein. Epstein? Yeah. And be like, oh, I I just meant that he was good with money. (laughs) It's like, dude, no. Uh, that's not what people take that to mean. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, yes, if Jericho is innocent in all this, uh, this is just a really, really, I, I don't know what to do with him, you know, as a, as a booker, you know, because if he he's going to keep getting these responses, um, this isn't like heel heat. So turning him heel isn't a solution. Um, and it kind of, it, if the go away heat continues, then it really undercuts him being a babyface. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you send him away for a few months, hope it blows over. I, I just genuinely don't know. But again, if he actually did these things, then um, you know, let him get fuck off to Tampa. Yep, exactly. Uh, I thought there was. Uh, anyways, moving on. Women's match: eight women tag. Anna Jay, Chris Statler, Thunder Rosa, and Willow Nightingale against Julia Hart, Ruby Soho, Sarai, and Sky Blue. Uh, the legally required Sky Blue appearance. Um, 
I got one thing to say about this match. Yeah. God, Julia Hart looks like a star. Oh, man. she's totally a star, yeah. Oh, but there was a she had a clothesline to the back of Stat's head, and it just looked like there was no oomph put into it. I, I yeah. she's young, and I think she needs to work on that strength a little bit because it looked bad. It mm-hmm. it looked like like you were wrestling with like a seven year old kid, and the seven year old delivered it, and it was you like almost no sold it at first because yeah. there was like no oomph. Yeah, she needs she needs to get that. But you know what? She got the difficult part down. She got over, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's. I just want the rest of the package to come, and it will. But yeah. that was the you got to work on a, on the moonsault too. She's still having some issues on occasion with that, where it looks terrible and. uh but I got to be honest. I thought this match was uh, all you know, it was pretty good. I went three and a quarter on it. Um, so like, short of recommending it or anything. But like, if you have it on, you're not going to hate it. I didn't think. Um, I thought the work in it was overall pretty solid. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing I and you know what, like, this is a weird question. Okay. Anna Jay's gear. Looked nice, okay. Mm-hmm. But on her on her hip, she has those little chains. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't that hurt like hell if you landed <laughs> on those things? Probably, yeah, probably. I think there's that's, a specific. I think that, that's a reason she's not doing any kind of hip attacks, um, type moves. Oh, you uh, some breaking news. Oh, Kaylin DeBoer in Alabama are negotiating. About Are they becoming head coach? Interesting. I saw that he canceled his show this morning, but then said that uh, uh, said that that was because he was meeting with the athletic director. Now, what does that mean? You know, it's hard to say, but yeah, um, that's brutal for Washington. Really, because yeah, he's done a great job there. I was telling Nicole the other day that they should probably hire him. So, rather mm-hmm. than the Oregon guy, so I'll take my victory lap there. Um, uh, okay, back to uh, Dynamite. Um, Yuta pre tape that I actually thought was solid said he's no one's young boy and challenges Eddie Kingston. Uh, I still haven't watched his uh, uh, pre show promo from uh, World's End, I think it was, um, which was a disaster apparently. Um, but I think he's developing as a promo. He's not a great one yet, but I think he's going to end up like you know pretty good. Um, uh, Brian Keith versus Roderick Strong. This was a pretty enjoyable short match. Uh, Quasi squash. Uh, my big note on it is I don't know that I would have put Brian Keith in this spot um, because I think that he did not look competitive enough for a new guy you're bringing in that's ostensibly going to be something. It feels like, um, but. You know, he both he and Roddy did good work here. It was just too short to really be notable. And then there was an Adam Cole promo about how everyone's going to win belts that's in this group. So, Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deanna Prazzo promo, which was mid Red, Red Velvet came in, hyped their collision match. All right, whatever. And then we got the tag, uh, which we talked about a little bit already Darby Allen and Sting against Hobbs and Takeshita. And, uh, 
good stuff. I thought in general, I went three and a half on it. So, and then we got the the young bucks stare down. So, I think that's uh, that's all the notes I have on the show. You got anything you want to add? Dynamite feels back, and it's just so refreshing that it feels like the show we fell in love with again. Yeah, um, this was a. Uh, I thought a really great. Um, like not not a great show, I should say, but like in terms of the vibes, the vibes were there, and uh, that's that's great. Um, AW feels like it is, uh, you know, a good promotion. You know, it's not no bullshit right now or minimal bullshit. Um, the bullshit there is is uh, largely confined to timeless Tony right now. Uh, we aren't doing these dumb pre tapes that they had last year. We aren't doing, um, you know flailing uh, four-corner feuds or anything with the world title so and you know what the uh the even the tony stuff has really mellowed out a little bit a little so, bit yeah yeah um i again like i said good segment this week for timeless tony so even the the act i don't like uh went well so um all right uh, last thing we're going to do on the show this week is uh, let's do our Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited for this, but I'm also not because there are some where I'm just drawing huge blanks. Yeah, there's we'll, some spots we'll kind of... here. It hasn't been a great year, I don't think, in other spots where it was. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to talk about that. Uh, so we just followed uh, Dave's rules for voting. So the top, the category A awards, we named the top three. We did that, and then for the category B, where you only name one, um, you name the one. I skipped all the MMA awards because I don't care. Um, I just am not interested in MMA. And uh, we will start with the MVP, the Luthez Ric Flair Award, which is basically a combination of box office impact and match quality. Uh, people always seem to forget the uh, match quality aspect, but mm-hmm. who was your third place guy here? I gave it to Roman. Um, it's it's just really hard to keep the top guy in WWE off of this list completely. Uh, like business is great for WWE right now. They're drawing huge houses. Roman is a, a good part of that, and like, but the match quality is just not up to that level. Yeah. Um, so that's why I have him at three. It's the the box office impact right now is carrying him for this award. My take is you got to show up to work to get an award for that. Your is work. also fair. Um, uh, so I just didn't really place. See- yeah, that's fair. I, I'm not knocking it much. Uh, I just didn't really seriously consider Roman for this because he's barely around. Uh, to me, if you're going to name one WWE guy, I guess it would be Cody Rhodes. But frankly, they they kind of. It wasn't really clear to me as to who the number two guy would be or the top full-timer in WWE would be this year. Uh, and I don't like WWE very much right now. So I didn't seriously consider it. My number three was Kento Miyahara uh, as uh, the top guy in all Japan and um, having one of the best in your in-ring years um, this year. Um, I think, given his importance to that promotion that had a great year, uh, he's a good pick. So I went with him number three. That's fair. Um, my number two, John Moxley. Okay, interesting. Um, consistently working uh, top of the cards, multiple promotions. Um, he's a big draw when he goes out to the indies, um, and then he's at he's on the top of the card in multiple 
companies that have drawn big houses. He was a, a big part of the, um, whatchamacallit, uh, all in yep. that card. Um, and plus his match quality is just excellent across the board. Very rarely do you have a stinking stinker from John Moxley. And yeah, that's why I went that direction. He works a lot too. Um, yes, he does. All right, our next one, and first, uh, my my second place guy, I should say, is Mystico. Um, Samuel L had a fantastic year, and Mystico has been their top guy. Um, you know, it's very obvious that he's a very overperformer. He's very good in ring as well, and uh, I think it's just a pretty clear pick um, that uh, he should finish highly in this award. Good take. Number one, I'm pretty sure is your number one, Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. Um, look, nobody's having a better in-ring year than Will Ospreay. You could make a top 10 match of the year list with only Will Ospreay matches. And top of the card, uh, he helped uh, sell, what, like 5,000 tickets at the Copper Box. He was one of the biggest draws of the all-in card. Um, Wrestle Kingdom. Like, it's Will Ospreay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he had such a great year. In ring, that uh, he definitely carried that aspect of it, and as far as box office impact, I th- think it'd be foolish to say he doesn't have any. He's a, he's a good draw in uh, the UK specifically. I think he helped out with uh, all in, and also what he did in Rev Pro was pretty impressive. And he also is a big star in New Japan, so I think between those, uh, he's definitely does more than his fair share on the uh, box office impact aspect. Um, most outstanding, uh, which is just best in ring wrestler. Um, who is your third place guy? I'm just gonna run through three to one so we can sure, yeah, up with it. yeah. Uh, three is Kazuchika Okada. Okada okay. is just arguably the greatest wrestler of all time, and he had a very good in ring year, but wasn't it didn't necessarily peak as high as these other two guys. Number two, Brian Danielson. People forget that that uh, Iron Man match against MJF was oh, yeah. in 2023. It feels like mm-hmm. so long ago. Number one is Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay, also in contention for the best wrestler of all time, and the dude is 31 years old. Yeah. Insane. Right, Odie? Do you think Will Ospreay is great? Yeah. Good boy. Can't believe you're stealing uh, Nick Nemeth's uh, gimmick from... um, Or, wait, Ryan Nemeth's gimmick from uh, BTE. Um, uh, My top two are the same as you. I went Ospreay and Danielson, and then my number three was Kento Miyahara. Um, I just think he had a fantastic year and uh, is deserving. Uh, Tag team of the year, who you got? Okay, so I had to really think about this because tag team wrestling kind of stunk this year as a a whole. It was a weak year. Um, Three, Sting and Darby Allen. Okay. It seems kind of absurd, but every time they're in the ring, it's fun, high energy, impressive. Um, the star presence, like it's a bad year for tag team wrestling. So I, I feel, I feel like having a team like that is there um, Two, another interesting one. Cause they were not a team for the entire year. I gave it to w- the war dogs, drill Maloney and Clark Connors. That okay. team's fun as hell. And they put on pretty good matches. Um, like, look, I had a really hard time with this one. Hey, that's and fine. Number one, Kento Miyahara, Yumi Aoyagi. Um, look, it's fucking Kento, man. If Kento was in New Japan, 
I think the world would know how great this guy is. Oh boy, we'd be talking about him a whole a whole different way. Um, he's going to have a really interesting and unfortunate Hall of Fame case one of these days because he's just not going to get the respect I think he deserves. Um, I also want Kenno Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi as my tag team of the year. Uh, you know, their tag team stuff was such a big part of what they did. And also, if you include like them going face to face, they had a couple great matches this year. <laughs> and as much as I put over Miyahara, like Yuma Aoyagi was like a top 10 or 15 wrestler in the year uh, this year. I thought he was fantastic as well and really stepped up and uh, improved and. I thought that was a pretty clear pick. Two and three was hard. Um, I went with Young Bucks, number two. I think people kind of forget just how good of a year they had. Um, then again, I also think I like Young Bucks more than a good number of people. So, hey, what are you going to do? And I went FTR third. Um, this was not a classic FTR year, but I still think they had a solid year, and it really was highlighted by the uh, tag match against Bullet Club Gold. But they still had quite a few good matches, and... Um, yeah, you know, I think they earned it. Uh, I thought about catch twenty-two or two-two, I should say, uh, for that third spot. And honestly, if they hadn't have just kind of petered out halfway through the year and stopped doing anything together, uh, I would have went, might have went with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn um, for even the t- second spot. But they just kind of stopped being a thing. So you know, half a good year isn't enough this year, even though it was a down year. Interviews. Who did you think was best on interviews, Tyler? Three, Will Ospreay. Two, John Moxley. One, Eddie Kingston. If you want to take any of those three and maneuver them, I wouldn't be upset. I also considered Zack Sabre Jr. because his ability on the mic is absolutely tremendous. But I really think it's those three guys. Really? Uh, I think you forgot someone. Uh, my top pick was Christian Cage. Ah, oh, Christian Cage. It's a tough group this year, I think. I, I'm I'm okay leaving Cage off yeah. because these the other three guys are so good. But yeah. that, that's a very good pick. Uh, I went Cage number one. Number two was Eddie Kingston. And then number three, I went Samoa Joe. Um, I think he's just, his promos give him so much uh, credibility, and that's like really unique these days. And I think he's awesome. Promotion of the year, who you got? Number three, All Japan. Okay. All Japan's been great. Um, number two, even though we criticized a good amount of it, there's still so much good. AEW. I agree. Um, yeah. There was still a ton of really good from AEW, despite our qualms with a lot of the brochacho stuff. Uh, number one, CMLL. CMLL had a phenomenal year. They did. In ring, cohesive storytelling, um, really good high end matches, drama. Weekly, w- weekly good stuff. Um, and uh, it really got revitalized this year and it rules. Um, I had almost the exact same list. I went CML first and then All Japan and then AEW. Uh, I thought there was too much good stuff in AEW to mm-hmm. not um, to not like it. So, yeah. Uh, best weekly TV show? Three, I went Impact. Um, okay. I thought there was a good amount of uh, in, uh, good stuff on Impact as far as what was going on in the, you know, whatchamacallit, um, like just a regular TV show. Like Josh Alexander versus Will Ospreay was on the regular TV show. They had, they had a bunch of really good matches like that and consistent, cohesive storytelling. Um, two Dynamite and one Collision. Collision is just, it's a wrestling show and it's great. Yeah. Uh, I went Dynamite, then Collision, then New Japan on Access. Um, New Japan on Access is kind of my standard, like, yeah, this is like, you must be this tall to enter the, the voting. <laughs> 
kind of. You know why I didn't go New Japan on Access? Because it's it's already stuff that's already aired live sometimes over a month ago. Yeah. And even though it draws ratings and it helps expose New Japan to uh, the U.S. audience, I just, I'm sorry. I, I just I can't vote for it for being one of the best weekly TV shows because it's not really a weekly TV show, even though it's aired weekly. Like, it is a TV show. Yeah, it's just it's basically sports center for wrestling. That's kind of how I view it. I don't count it. I honestly, I don't think Impact was quite good enough to earn that spot, and I don't like WWE. Um, that's just it's just not my style. And once you get beyond that, it's the, the pickings are rough. Um, I'm not voting for NWA or like Ohio Valley Wrestling. So, uh, and then match of the year, number three. I, and I gave all these matches five stars. I have eight or nine five star matches this year, so this was a difficult one. Number three, from the G1 semifinals, Tetsuya Naito versus Will Ospreay. Good match. Um, Great match. Where Ospreay literally had to carry Naito to the end. You can do it. And you know what? God, it was was just tremendous. And it didn't take anything away from it for me. I thought it made it better because Naito is just this loopy fuck. And Ospreay is giving himself destinos. I'm sorry. Like, the ability to continue on with that match knowing what's going on and being able to just basically do everything for Naito and make him look like a star. I mean, Naito is a star. He doesn't need somebody to make him look like one, but yeah, he was loopy and yeah. it worked. I thought that was just brilliant pro wrestling. Um, number two, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay from the Tokyo Dome uh, one for Wrestle Kingdom 17. Oh my gosh. Omega just beat the living piss out of Osprey. Osprey tried to come back, and it was just look. It was everything you thought this match could be, and more. And then they topped it with my number one match of the year at Forbidden Door: Will Osprey versus Kenny Omega. Too. Um, I don't care about the Don Callis stuff like some other people do. I thought this. I think this match is the greatest match of all time, and just phenomenal. I. Osprey, they did the exact inverse of their first match. Osprey came out like a ball of fire and started beating the living piss out of Omega. And then the Tiger Driver 93 with a one... No, it, was, um, it wasn't Tiger Driver 93. It was the one wing Angel to a one count. was perfectly timed, perfectly set up. And only Omega could get away with kick, doing a one-count kickout on his own finishing move. Because only one other competitor has ever fully kicked out of the one wing Angel in the middle of the ring. And that was Kota Ibushi. I believe Peter Pan 2012. Yeah. Like... The greatest match of all time. And just so, 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 so good. Uh, my top three. Number three was Kenny Omega against uh, Hiho Do Vikingo. Um, uh, look, people will say this was just a moves match. And I'm like, yes. And it ruled. I, I love this match so much. I know it was just on a random dynamite. And uh, look, I, I know I'm like out on an island on it probably. But I loved, I just adored this match. Um, this is, yeah, it's just guys doing cool shit and doing it really well. And it was extremely cool. Oh, well, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, number two was uh, the Wrestle Kingdom, Omega and Osprey. Loved the match. It was fantastic. And my number one match uh, was Texas Death, Hangman versus Swerve. Uh, 
uh, frankly, the only commentary on this match that would truly do it justice is the gif of the fan of the UFC fight uh, show with just bleed painted on his chest. Um, that's that's it, man. Like that match was just fantastic, just amazingly visceral, and I loved it so much. Um, I I really considered uh, the that Texas death match as number three, but. Every time I kept thinking about number three, I just kept going back to Naito and Osprey and how mm-hmm. Osprey literally oh, had that's fair. a match on his back to save it. And he didn't just save it, it made it better. And oh, but that that Texas death match, oh, watching it live and the artwork getting stapled in his first face, and he's just smiling up a god Oh my god. What a psychotic Amazing. match. Um, all right, now category B, where you just choose one guy. Uh, I'm going to skip the book and documentary awards because I don't have anything for those. Do you? Um, yes, the documentary awards. Um, Joe Lanza's uh, oh. audio documentary on the life of Eddie Gilbert. I should um, listen to that. I still have hours it. long. Um, look, if people are and Joe are saying it's the best thing he's ever done, um, I'm I have not had a chance to listen to it, but I'm giving it the vote. Okay, well, that's fair. It's Joe Lanza talking about somebody with ECW. And when Joe gets passionate about something, there's very little that's better on this planet. So I'm giving that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. I, I have both blank right now. I may go and add a vote for that. I just didn't read any wrestling books this year. So um, U.S. and Canada MVP. Who do you have? John Moxley. Brian Danielson. I don't think there's a wrong pick here. And like Cody Rhodes is a good pick, too, if you're going... Um, you know, I don't you, know. Danielson getting he, he kept getting hurt. Like how like and then he'd come back most, and have 18 great matches and then get hurt again. I don't care. The most the most valuable thing about that, like why I couldn't pick Danielson. The most valuable asset is being there. And that's that was just too much for me. I don't think he missed that much time. I mean, he's working with the, the cast on his arm and everything. He also worked he missed, with like two and a half, three months. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> I also think this was a really weird year for this award, personally. So. Yes. Uh, Japan MVP. I debated on this one. Yeah. Um, I debated between multiple guys. I think you're going to pick Kento Miyahara, and I completely yeah, understand. I I'm did. giving it to Will Ospreay. That's fair. It's. I can't knock it. I think Wasprey's a fair pick there. I think uh, Naito would be a reasonable pick. Um, I think that's kind of like the three guys that I would personally consider. Uh, maybe someone from Stardom, but I feel like Stardom had a really weak year, um, personally. They and were trying a like 100 to Corkin at one point. I yeah, think. And there was a lot of injuries, and like I think just compared to New Japan and All Japan this year, I just don't think it... You know. It feels like Stardom carried itself more than any wrestler. Yeah, I, I think it just kind of existed. It, it you know, carried itself forth. Uh, Mexico, I think, is a really obvious pick. Um, and it's Mystico. Who'd you go with? Mystico? I, I, I want a different route. I went with Sobrano Jr. Okay, that's a good pick. I love Sobrano. So. I think Sobrano is phenomenal. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 it resonates in my head. Ricardo Gallegos, who is the co-host of uh, Los Lucha Jobbers. Um, yes. I think I, I said that the, the way they pronounce it on uh, on this own podcast network. Um he said that it's hard to really credit Mystico with some of these houses because it's tourists and tourists. Sure. It's like 
you you go to to London, you go to Wembley, you go mm-hmm. to Mexico, you go to a lucha show. Yeah. And that that's why it's really difficult for me to really quantify the fact that, you know, Mystico deserves a lot of credit for this. And I get it, but I, I those words ring in my head every sure. every time we there's conversations about Mexico and I just uh, don't think there's another alternate like guy that has a strong drawing record, you know. Um and I think that Mystico has shown some drawing ability up, 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 you know, up and beyond the normal CMLO is doing well. So this is my take. I don't know. Um, I nearly went, I, I thought about Soberano. I thought about Teton. Um, God, who, Teton rules. Teton was my number 12 wrestler this year. Um, I will tell you who it shouldn't be. And uh, this is me talking directly to people that may not have sent your ballots in. Uh, and I'm begging you. Literally, this is me. I, I please do not vote for El Hijo del Vikingo here. Um, because look, I know he's great. I love him. I just had him as the number three match of the year. If if I went full top ten with my uh, my most outstanding, he was my number eight guy on the year. I think he rules. He is the highest rated guy from Mexico, but so much of that work was not in Mexico. And Triple A is just a shit show. And he didn't really draw anything, I think, up, up, you know, amazingly down there. And his best work was on the U.S. So it's got to be a CMLL guy this year. It has to. And I feel like Mystico's the standard bearer. So, you know, it's kind of like saying, well, Roman Reigns has to be the U.S. MVP forward voter. Only Mystico's there all the time and is actually a really interesting worker. So not like that at all. Um, (laughs) European MVP. Well, Osprey. Will Ospreay. I, I don't know. I, I guess Michael Oku would be another candidate, but like it feels like Rev Pro is just so lifted up by Osprey that it has to be him. And I feel like he played a key role in uh, Wembley. So, uh, non heavyweight MVP. Going with Soberano Jr. again. Sorry. Right. I went Teton. Uh, Soberano is a perfectly acceptable pick. So, uh, Woman Wrestler of the Year. This is a rough one too. I thought. I'll be honest. I don't watch enough women's wrestling to truly have an opinion. Okay. Um, like as far as like, I, I really don't watch Joshi. I will watch stuff that gets highly, highly recommended. Like I still have that Tokyo Joshi Pro ten woman tag that I need to watch before oh, I start this match of the year. Yeah. Um, because look, like I'm not the biggest Joshi guy, but if the people I trust say that this is a phenomenal match and you need to watch it, I'm gonna take my time because like. The Shuri and uh, Tommy Hayashishida match from I think last year or two years ago. Oh, that, that was, was awesome! Like, that rule. that was that made my top ten match of the year, and I wouldn't have Same. watched it unless people were like, "You need to go seek this out." Yeah. Um, but I, I ended up picking Julia. Julia is a good pick. I didn't go with her for two reasons: one, she missed some time due to injury, and if I recall correctly, and two, stardom just was really off this year. And I frankly think Tokyo Joshi Pro was a better promotion uh, between the two. Uh, so I went, yeah. with, I went with Mizuki. Um, I thought she had a fantastic year for, uh, for TJPW. And, uh, that was, that's my pick. Um, uh, feud of the year. Weird year for this. I thought. Kento Miyahara versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. Oh, that's a good one. I nearly went with that. I went hangman swerve um i didn't love like some of the early stuff with it but by the time they did their match like i was ready to walk through fire you know like that that stuff ruled so 
I almost went uh, with MJF versus himself in good wrestling. Uh, but, man, the Miyahara and Nakajima stuff, I don't know the full backstory of why they hate each other. Uh, they but... train together, I think, and uh, it's a lot of it from that. But I, I'm not as up on it as, like, Gerard would be or Paul Bosch. Um, Emerald Flow Show um, yeah. covering uh, Pro Wrestling Noah and All Japan Pro Wrestling. You'll want to check that out. Uh, look, I'll have to ask him about it. Because I, I don't know the full backstory, but just in the ring, you can tell mm-hmm. how like special that intensity is. Yeah, you get those vibes off it, and it's really hard to get those vibes. Uh, let's see. Most improved. Master Watto. That's a that's a reasonable pick. I did not go with him because he disappeared in the second half of the year. And like, I don't know that's, if you're most improved. You yeah, should but ju- be juniors more disappear in the second half of the year in New Japan. That's not really his fault. True. Like, but... uh, like we're talking, we're not talking wrestler of the year. We're talking uh, like most improved. And I think it's Master Wado. I went uh, El Soprano Jr. Uh, I think he's been pretty good for a while, but I feel like he really stepped up this year and is a capital D dude now so so um another rust professor that i really considered here julia hart yeah i i'd like to see her be good in ring um before i really yeah i didn't think group. the in ring was quite good enough but yeah everything else man um it's working let me see just trying to scroll through my list and see if I have. Uh, I don't. Yoda Suji is a weird one because voting for him to me would be like the thing that always happens in the NBA with the most improved player award, which is where you're a rookie and then in your second year you get more playing time and put up numbers, but like you're just kind of the same guy. Um, like maybe Suji's been this good for a while, but um, that's kind of. I'm not going to give it to a guy who just comes back from excursion. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, it's you know, I don't know that that's really fair. Uh, I thought Miyu Watanabe in Tokyo Joshi Pro is a lot better. I thought she improved noticeably, and uh, I think she's really good. And um, beyond that, um, I don't know. It was kind of a weak year in this award. I thought. Um, uh, next award, as I fail to use my keyboard correctly most charismatic mystico um it, even though i i talked about him not being the mexico mvp because of like the houses and stuff i think it's arguably more impressive fred that you get all these foreigners coming in and mystico just gets these loud crowd reactions consistently from people that maybe have never seen him wrestle before and he just has mm-hmm. that aura i yeah. think that's special he was my number two guy, I think. My number one was Kento Miyahara. I mean, I think they're very comparable, actually, in this way. Uh, you get uh, Miyahara. He, he traveled around some this year uh, working in NOAA and New Japan. And whenever he showed up, like you could feel like he was something Wait, special. He he didn't work in New Japan. It was, uh, You're talking the All Together shows, right? Yeah, the All Together show, which I guess technically is not New Japan. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's just so charismatic and... Uh, Awesome. Uh, best technical. Danielson. Danielson. Best brawler. Moxley. Moxley. Best high flyer. Vikingo. Vikingo. Yeah. I, I think those are pretty clear cut ones and frankly, a little boring. Um, mm-hmm. uh, next up, most overrated, which is Dave, Dave Meltzer speak for uh, Push Too Hard. Sonata. That's a good one. I went Tyrus just because, like, 
his tires. <laughs> he should not have been wrestling, let alone the NWA world champion for whatever little that means. Um, most underrated, which is a which is a Davism for push too little. Kenny Omega. Hmm. Spicy. I don't. Uh, hate well, it. W- when you talk about it being the Davism, let's use Kenny Omega, man. Like. It felt like he's not doing much, and I don't yeah. know how much of that is just him trying to heal from injuries and keep his body in good shape so he can do like big matches. But man, it just felt like he could have been used significantly more and better in AEW over the course of the past year. Obviously, the end ended with that diverticulitis, which is absolutely yeah. brutal. But yeah, Omega. Um, I went Kaito Kiyomiya because I mean he was kind of pushed hard to Noah, but really just as like a mini me for for Mudo and then like and then when he got over to uh New Japan he was treated as just kind of a guy and then like the special you know like the the good buddy of uh a young boy and a young lion and uh I really like, didn't mind how he was used in uh in in the G1 I thought he it, should he was, he was fine it wasn't awful that but that was the best push he got all year and like that sucks this is a guy that should be like the number one guy in a Japanese company right now, and uh, or at least in New Japan, treated as like a top level guy. And instead, he's just kind of been, you know, mid card McGee, rookie of the year. Now, there's a specific list here uh, of people that are eligible for it, and um, I strongly encourage anyone that's actually voting to read that list because uh, hypothetically, it'd be very embarrassing if you vote for someone that's not eligible. I voted for Yuma Anzai. I voted for Yuma Anzai too. Uh, he barely missed my top 100 wrestlers of the year list. He was 101. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's just a natural. Um, I think the next top two guys uh, are from Dragon Gate. But I, okay, so it's Kaito Nagano, uh, who is very good from Dragon Gate. And then there's a, a third guy, and I am blanking on his name um i'm trying to like rapidly look through the daiki uh yanaguchi also had a very good year um and uh i think those two guys deserve it um action andretti would be my number four i think he's turned into a nice high flyer and i liked his little run with uh top flight at the end of the year so like he's a legit roster guy and i think that's pretty good for like basically your first year as a major guy i agree best non-wrestler I didn't have one. I couldn't. I couldn't think of a good one. I'll be honest. Oh, would, Prince, Prince Nana. Nana. Yep. Look, I, I don't know that like he's really a great promo. You know, like what you typically think of with this award, I guess. But I feel like he's really lifted the Swerve Strickland act, even though it's kind of incongruous with uh, Swerve Strickland evil mastermind sometimes. But I think I think it's really helped, and I don't know how you. I feel like you have to pick him. I feel like he's just mm-hmm. the strongest guy, um, and is better than like uh, I guess Paul Heyman default votes. Fair. Uh, best TV announcer. I want Tony Schiavone. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I I think it's just more of a personal taste thing for me. I love how he accents everything that AEW does with their announcing, and you can just feel the enjoyment Tony Schiavone has by being in the booth. And yeah. I just really appreciate that. I like Schiavone. I feel like he kind of undercut his case some with the being the main play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-play-by-
play guy, sorry, on collision because he doesn't know what moves are. And like he never has been good at that. I don't but care that he doesn't know what moves are. It's That's it's fine. very silly when he's calling like the wrong move actively. Like that bothers me more than maybe it should, but it, it doesn't help, I guess. I went to the bone zone. I went uh, Ian Riccoboni. Um good choice. He's he's really good and Caprice Coleman plays off him perfectly. Uh I do like Joe Lanza uh saying that this should be a best commentary booth award instead I agree. and I, I feel like that's a pretty i never considered it before but i feel like it's a pretty good argument so i have a hot take about this award yeah i think that i think walker stewart might own this award in three to four years he could be a guy uh, i think he's very good at it he's uh, adjusting to going to new japan uh you know it's, it's a big step a off a lot of step effort and a lot of knowledge yeah and he's good he's only what 22 oh he's a so, baby he's disgustingly yeah. young He's he's going to figure this out and get more reps and get better yeah. and better and better. And I think that he could end up being that guy. He's already quite good. So uh, he's a, a serious candidate, I think. Uh, Excalibur, I like him a lot. I think he's a good candidate. And uh, also, uh, I, Chris Charlton, though sometimes he you know does a little too much. And sometimes you could argue he undercuts his partners. But I still think he's a quite good announcer. Uh, worst TV announcer. Corey Graves. That's a pretty good one. I went Booker T. I feel like fair. He is atrocious <laughs> at announcing. Just awful. Um, uh, best major show. I went Forbidden Door. That's fair. I there's I had like three or four to choose from from AEW, um, and I went with uh, All Out. Kind of just. Drew one from a hat. I feel like there's three or four you could have done uh, there for Ben Door, one of them. And, uh, yeah. Uh, worst major show? I went with Survivor Series. Okay. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest. I struggle thinking of really bad major shows. Yeah, this was a tough one for me. I went, um, I, I went with one I did not watch, but when it potentially, like, kills your company's ability to have tv it's worth it uh nwa samhain um or how are you supposed to say that Samhain. so sawin steven sonheim um yeah i i just think like that's deserving and nwa is just kind of a turd of a promotion uh best wrestling maneuver which is always kind of a weird one to me i think but tiger driver 93 okay by osprey i assume Yep. Not only was it incredibly impactful on my best show of the year and my best match ever, um, it brought the most, it brought the worst reactions out of the worst people. <laughs> and like, now that's I, safety I, policing right there. I really think it was a defining move of 2023, which is kind of how I view the award. That's not necessarily like, good point. Or like a revolutionary move, a new move. Um, yeah. Like, I think this is when you we look back on this year, one of the moves we're going to talk about is Tiger Driver 93. And yeah. I don't really have that vibe from any other move on the uh, from this past year. Yeah. Uh, my pick was Vikingo's second rope step up 630. See, that's to me, that's not special per se because he's been doing that for a couple years. Yeah. But like, I, I just. No, it absolutely rules. <laughs> but 
that was my, like that was my. I just voted as dumb as possible. I just went cool move. Thank you. Yeah, but it doesn't scream defining. It doesn't scream anything of that yeah, nature, and that's, that's why I couldn't pick it. That's a fair vote. I, I think you had a much smarter way of voting than I did. No, I was just like, oh, the... it's cool. Lizard brain, go. <laughs> Flip more. That's, look, um, me smarter than you, that's that's just the motif of the show. Yeah, it's true. Um, most disgusting promotional tactic. I, You know what? I really struggled to think of one specific thing. I just put WWE. <laughs> I, I put Vince McMahon returning to WWE as CEO. Um, was that in this calendar year? It, it, it was. Feels like it was so January. I know it was a year ago, but yes, it was January 2023. Jesus uh, Christ. Where all of a sudden uh, his you should leave a CEO got voted back in. Um, what a gross dude, allegedly. Um, worst TV show. NXT. Oh, I'm not even going NXT level up. Just NXT. I NXT level up is probably better because I think it's just matches from a little bit I've seen. I voted NWA Power. That's a default vote. I don't. If Triple A had a TV show, I probably would have voted for it, but they like kind of don't. I don't know. It's such a weird situation with them. Worst match of the year. Um, Tyrus CC three. I did. I see. I only voted for stuff I actually watched in this one category, um, as compared with like the last one. Uh, I did not go out of my way. I did not do uh, bad match porn this year. I didn't like go around trying to watch the worst matches. So I just went with what I actually watched that I thought was the worst match, which is uh, Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre aimless brawl. See, I hated it was that so much. It, it was fine. Like I hated it. Was, it. You hate fun. I I don't I, I don't hate fun because that wasn't fun. That was shit. <laughs> Despise that match. I went negative one star on it. Uh then we got just a few more. Worst feud of the year. I feel this is easy. Share because I'm I'm drawing a blank. MJF the devil. I guess. I mean, it killed. Uh, it really like hurt AEW pretty seriously for half a year. So I don't know what else it would be. Um, yeah. Worst promotion. WWE. Triple A. Like uh, here, here's my thing with WWE. There may be some good, but that roster and how bad the product is is egregious, mm-hmm. and they should win this award every single year until they fix it. I mean, I think you could argue that they have fixed it. It's just not for us. Um, it's very successful with their fans. I don't know. That fully. doesn't make it good. Hey, successful does that. not mean it's good. McDonald's. Oh, I, I'm not saying not, that. McDonald's is not good food. Look at bread, my previous votes. They have <laughs> thousands of restaurants. Uh, disrespect to the McNuggets. Um, I love them. But, but they're not. They're objectively not great. Yeah, look, but in the way they are great if you think about it. Um, yeah, I think AAA had the ability to do good stuff, and instead they did bad stuff, and I think that's why they deserve it because it just really stunk. Uh, best booker, whoever's booking all Japan. I went with Panico, who was booking CMLL, but uh, I think it's I think it's Shuji Ishikawa, but I'm not sure for all Japan. But uh, I think that's a perfectly reasonable pick. Uh, in an ideal world, like they would probably split the award, but. I worry that neither will win. So then we'll just get like Triple H. No, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, Promoter of the year. 
I feel like more and more this is just a really weird award. Like it feels Tony Khan. Like, uh, he had the biggest uh, paid wrestling attendance in history. Like I, he, I don't care argument. the rest of the year. Like you sell nearly eighty-two thousand tickets to one wrestling show. That's it. Uh, I went. We um, can't even sell that many tickets for WrestleMania, and don't I don't want to hear the excuse. Oh, it's two days. There are two shows under the same umbrella, but the, like it's not one show. Uh, I went. Uh, I, I just put in CMLL, so I'm not sure if that should be Paco Alonso. Uh, although he is, uh, I'm sorry, I should say uh, Salvador Luteroth the uh, third. I was reading the wrong line in my notes, uh, or whomst, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that CMLL deserves it. Um, again, going with whoever all Japan's equivalent would be would be a reasonable pick. I feel like those are the top two guys. Um, best gimmick. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna need more time to think. Okay. Best gimmick. I voted Christian Cage. Um, oh, that, yep, that's it. There you go. Yeah. I, I've struggled with some of these. Just my brain, just trying to process everything. It's a it's a weird like time. thing to consider. I think sometimes is yeah. gimmick because it's kind of hard to separate that out from the performer. But I feel like this idea like worked really well. Uh, worst gimmick, and yeah, this is our oh, last one. Shows. I went the devil. I feel like that's basically the same thing, uh, essentially. Um, yeah, I think that was easily the the worst part of wrestling that I enjoyed in twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, three years are hard. Uh, that's it. That's all the awards. Um, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on those? No. Um, I, I'm excited to see what happens when they come out. Uh, that should be really interesting to kind of see what what the the aggregate has to say about these. Yeah. Um, because you get people from a bunch of different bubbles voting on them, and I think that's what makes it fun. Also, recommend. Um, Yesterday, we we're recording this on Friday. On Thursday, match of the year ballots started being sent out by Voices of Wrestling. And if you have an interest in a match of the year ballot, you can get one if you are if. a member of the wrestling media. That means yes. you just have to write or talk about professional wrestling. Um, if you go to voiceofwrestling.com, there is uh, a spot with match of the year where you can apply for a ballot. And if you meet those qualifications, then you will be sent one. They are due in two weeks. I believe it's like the 21st uh, or something like that um and it's a collection of wrestling media who is who has watched um obviously they watch the sport for at least some form of media and it's a very interesting collection because you get people who are very Josie centric you get people who are lucha centric um in europe you get people who only watch AEW and wwe it's it's a lot of different voices coming together and you see what matches really made a difference uh, and made an impact on them to make the list. And it's, in my opinion, the best match of the year poll because it's people who take this very seriously and very cool. If you want a ballot and you feel like you meet those criteria, go submit a request for one. And then the powers that be will decide if you are worthy, which if you fit one of those criteria, you will be, um, I'm excited to share our match of the year list. I'm compiling mine right now. Obviously, everybody knows my top three at this point, but yeah. there's a lot of really good wrestling from this past year. Yeah, it's been a fantastic, uh, a pretty damn good year. Um, I won't go fantastic because there's some negative, but um, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And with that, that is our show. Um, like, comment, subscribe, do all the fun things. Um, and if you are listening on the Voice of Wrestling feed, thank you very much. Please go listen to us on our own feed, The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy. Um, you leave a five-star review, uh, we will be very grateful. And with that, I am Tyler. He's Fred. I'm Fred. Have a great day. Bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.